Welcome to Phone Messages, episode 140, Going to Look. My name is Paul Mason Foch. This week, I play message number four from Benjamin Evans. The message is four seconds long and comes from the fall of 1989. Here we go. Paul, this is Ben. I'm going to look for you. Well, luckily I identified myself, but it's impossible to know what's going on because it's such a extremely short. Yeah, kind you... Like I was, go ahead. Kind of like I was saying, I'm going to look for you. We don't know where, though, because it's cut off. It seems you're putting on kind of a an accent there. I don't think that's a put-on accent. I think that's my real-life accent. I mean, funny thing about accent is one never knows about one's own accent until you, you move to a different place where all of a sudden people say, oh, that's a funny accent you have. And that happened to me when I moved from Providence, Rhode Island to Chicago, Illinois, and suddenly no one could understand me. People would ask me my name, and I would say, Ben. And it was totally incomprehensible to people. People would be like, Dan, 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 Dan. So one thing I wanted to go back to is your dormitory was the Shoreland. Yes. I remember the fall of 1988 pulling up to the Shoreland and looking at this building and being like, wow, this is a very grand place to have as a first-year college student dormitory. I mean, it was right by the lake. You know, you could walk to the point. Amazing location, amazing building. I remember that the first year I was there, people were just up all hours of the day and night. At any hour, 3 o'clock in the morning, 3 o'clock in the afternoon, there would be somebody around. And I remember at some point, maybe it was like 3 in the morning, walking along back to the, our room, and we heard someone playing the meat puppet. And we followed the sound, we walked down the hall, and there was Stevie Joe. He had a little record player. He's playing the meat puppet up on the sun. And uh, he was doing some watercolor painting, and he had all his watercolors out on the floor. And that's how you would, like, meet people. He was in the lounge area? No, in his room, with the door open, chain smoking. So we just followed the sound of the music. And do you remember people that had lived there from before it was converted into a dormitory? Yes. There were some older folks who were like grandfathered in, and they were very quiet, and I think we just left them alone. The other thing I remember about the Shoreland was it was close to the Flamingo. That was also a, like a hotel or apartments or something, and they had a swimming pool, and you could uh, buy a pass and use their pool in the summer. And a lot of the um, the folks that were in that group, uh, the El Rukens, would be at the Flamingo. And it was also near the Cove, that little uh, bar with a kind of a nautical theme. Oh, and you know what else was over there? Like right around the corner, I think in between the Flamingo and the Cove, a great little video rental place. And you could go in there and, and like, you know, rent uh, VHS uh, movies. And they had, I can't remember what they were called. It was something like the Video Good Guys or something. And they had a whole campaign against Blockbuster because they were like a small mom and pop operation. And on one wall, they had a big segment of the wall that was dedicated to cut up Blockbuster video cards. It's details like this, a wall full of chopped up Blockbuster cards, 
that capture beautifully the transient sentiments of an era. An era when blockbuster video was coming to monopolize the video rental business. A business that would ultimately collapse in 2014 due to the rise of video streaming. Ben is especially good at remembering details. The video store located on East 55th Street was originally called Hyde Park Video, but it became the Video Good Guys in 1991. The store came to a sad end in 1997 when owners Carolyn and Garland Cox could not come to a deal with the city over delinquent taxes. Even though I lived in the Shoreland all four of my years as an undergraduate, I have no recollection of this video store. I do recall the liveliness of the dorm at all hours of the day and night. If one stayed up until dawn, the view of the sunrise over Lake Michigan from the 12th floor lounge was magnificent. The Shoreland was one of many luxury hotels built in the 1920s along Hyde Park's lake shore. Opened in 1926, it was advertised as the world's finest residential hotel. An ad from the Chicago Daily Tribune declares, The last word in luxurious housekeeping apartments of two to nine rooms and suite, with all the seclusion of an individual home with the servant problem solved in advance. A four-room housekeeping suite comprises living room, dining room, bedroom, and kitchen. Any addition up to nine rooms can be made by adding bedrooms, each bedroom having a private bath with shower. A servant's entrance is provided for each housekeeping suite. The kitchen is equipped with electric range, mechanical refrigeration, and a full assortment of housekeeping utensils. Guests who do not use private housekeeping facilities have access to the Louis XIV main dining room, the Castilian Grill, as well as to many private dining rooms that rival some of the best dining halls of Old World palaces. The Spanish Renaissance Ballroom provides for social life on an elaborate scale. Mezzanine lounges, a spacious lobby, and a beautiful terraced garden overlooking Lake Michigan add to the hotel's beauty. After its opening, the Shoreland attracted many famous guests, from Eleanor Roosevelt to Elvis Presley. Jimmy Hoffa held union meetings at his suite on the 8th floor in the 1950s and 60s. However, after World War II, federally subsidized suburbanization, discussed many times in this podcast, led to urban decline, and residential hotels like the Shoreland could no longer attract an upscale clientele. Its neighbor, the Flamingo Hotel, which was built in 1927, 
also struggled at this time. So in 1961, they tried to increase business by adding a swimming pool with 20 poolside cabanas. This became the Cabana Club, where in 1974, a summer membership cost $85. In that same year, the University of Chicago purchased the Shoreland for $750,000. And two years later, in 1976, it began housing students. High maintenance costs, as well as the university's construction of more modern student housing closer to campus, led to the dormitory's planned closure in 2004. This sparked student protests and an internet campaign that included t-shirts declaring, Save the Shoreland! Despite this, the Shoreland was retired as a dorm in 2008 and was sold for five and a quarter million to developer Canard Corporation. The newly renovated Shoreland Apartments opened in 2013, with rents ranging from $1,270 for a studio to $3,600 for three bedrooms. If you would like to rent a flat in my historic hotel, please contact me through my website, pfoch.com. That's P-F-O-T-S-C-H dot com. Many thanks to Ben for his Lakeshore Recollections. And thank you for listening. Talk to you next week.